G'day guys, welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast today. We are talking all things drones. That's right, a 101 drones episode. We we interviewed two drones experts and get their sort of knowledge and boil it down into some actionable information to help you get started with your own drones. Now, part of my inspiration for this episode actually comes from one of the guests. I, I chat with Carly Andrews, who's the marketing manager at Adreno. Now, she has captured some phenomenal footage um, of these guys shore diving through sort of big surf conditions down in the northern New South Wales coast. And it just adds to a spearfishing film like you wouldn't believe. And from a photographer's point of view, drones just add a whole other dimension to, you know, the, the possibilities with spearfishing photography. So that's part of where the inspiration comes for this. So I will admit that it didn't come from a guest. It just comes straight from me. Oh, mate, uh, you're a genius. <laughs> I'm in awe. I don't know about that. But anyway, before we get to sort of chatting about what we talk about in the episode, we've got a few shout-outs. And uh, I got an email just this morning, I think it was, from... Brittany up in Townsville. Turbo, you got it there. Can yeah, you? It's, it's actually Tegan and Brittany. Don't forget about oh, Tegan. Right. So, um, yeah, Brittany wrote, or Tegan and Brittany wrote, uh, they are up in Townsville, Queensland, and she has read the ebook. She's loving it, and she's about to go on her first dive and try and uh, land her first fish spearfishing. So we wish her all the best. Stay safe, and, uh, yeah, hope you have a great time and you land that uh, elusive coral trout. Yeah, I love that email. I love getting emails from new subscribers to the floater. Uh, and she, she emailed me back after we sent her out a newsletter, and uh, it was awesome to hear her story. So if you're like Brittany, send us in your story. Love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on, we have had a bumper month for downloads on the podcast. It's just getting bigger and bigger. I won't tell, give away too many of the numbers, but it is huge. So thank you for everybody out there, for you, for supporting us and uh, listening to the podcast. We're having a ball bringing it to you. And with, uh, with downloads like these, we're going to continue to roll on into 2017. Yeah, yeah. We've got a lineup of actually some pretty awesome guests, and oh, yeah. uh, we've got some good shows coming up for you guys. So thanks for tuning into the Noob Spirit Podcast. Right. Uh, we've also released a an ebook. You guys that are regular listeners are probably aware of it. It's 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. Love that book. It's uh, actionable information from more than 40 experts in spearfishing from around the world. And we've tried to boil, boil all that information and all the interviews we've done down into 99 actionable tips to improve your spearfishing. And we just had a, another review, which I like. Yeah, we've had a great review from D. Kelly. Conversational as if speaking with a buddy, but filled with knowledge and experience needed for a stimulating sport. Yeah, and ah. really nice to have a review that wasn't from, you know, Turbo's mum. So pretty cool. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, mum. Looking forward to coming home. (laughs) And uh, this show is proudly brought to you in partnership with our sponsor, Adreno. You can find them at spearfishing.com.au. Shop with these guys because they support the New Spiro podcast. And uh, don't forget, you can save $20 on all purchases over $200 when you use the code NoobSpiro at checkout. And once again, that's spearfishing.com.au. Yep, absolutely. So if you've got a loved one or you just love yourself enough to buy some new gear, check out Adreno and make sure to use our code. Save some dollars. Happy days. All right. Just just quickly. Go on. If you were buying a spear gun for a an aspiring Spearow, what brand would you buy? Me? Yeah. Well, if you're not going to get one of my personal handmade guns, which I've got to say are a work of oh, art. One sitting over there in the corner. <laughs> Well, oh, that's a work of art, all right? It's a fucking stock oh, of wood. Mate. Just everything's done by eye. No measurements. <laughs> all by eye. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not going to get one of my, my personal, personally made guns, um, 
Yeah, I would go with a Rob Allen personally. It's uh, they seem to be a pretty solid, reliable gun. We've been using them for years. We love them. Yeah, we love the uh, we both love the tuner. It's been going great gun. So um, yeah, I don't want it. the free divers either. And a one two one one, perfect. Yeah. A Manny sub. Get your hands awesome. on that. Use the code Noob Spirit. Check out. Save yourself twenty bucks. I just I've got another. I've got another shout out. Uh, I want to shout a uh, quick shout out to uh, uh, Benji Wales down there in Sydney, mate. I know you're getting back into the sport. And uh, you're loving it. He has got one of my personal guns. Never shot a fish with it. It just shoots around corners. It's brilliant. But uh, best of luck, mate, and uh, enjoy the gun. Uh, I can't believe he's actually got a working gun. Like, like it implies that you actually finished one. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's the first one. It's, oh, actually, this is magical. it's an absolute beauty, mate. No wonder it doesn't work. Righto, so... Also, guys, if you are brand new to the Noob Spirit podcast, you're probably not familiar with a lot of the stuff we're talking about. You can go, if you're just starting your spearfishing journey, pump into Google, Getting Started Spearfishing Guide, Noob Spiro, and we have a post up there that's got links to all our best blog posts, interviews, everything you can imagine to sort of help you get started spearfishing and overcome some of the obstacles that we all have to when we start off spearfishing. Uh, Righto. I don't want to muck around for too much longer. I wanted to discuss sort of what we talk about in this drones 101 mm. turbo. And uh, well, why don't you tell us who did you speak to? So the start of the interview is with Carly, mm-hmm. and I talk with her about sort of how I got inspired to start talking and looking at drones. She talks about you know her experience over the last year with a DJI Phantom Three, and what she wants next. She, we talk about some of the footage she's captured, what she's seen done well and what could be probably done better. We talk about some of the safety and law in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then I head over and chat with Alan Perlman yeah. from UAVcoach.com. He's actually the founder of UAVcoach.com. What does UAV stand for? Unmanned Aerial Vehicle. Beautiful. I, Ten I got it. <clears throat> and, yeah, I'm a drones expert. What can I say? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> So we chat with Alan Pellman, and uh, this guy is just an absolute authority in drones. And uh, so you can find him at uavcoach.com. But yeah, have a real good listen to this interview if you're interested in drones, because it'll save you not only money and time, but also hopefully smooth out some of those uh, learning curves, because there are a few of them by the sounds of it with drones. Yeah, I mean, you, we went out and we had a crack with yours, didn't we? The what was it? Yeah. The cheer wing. Yeah. So the cheer wing's like an FPV, full manual, Ooh. and uh, we used it. Um, Love the terms. We used it unguided, so which means we didn't use the video camera. We just freestyled, mm. and the tree, the tree was a big tree. Oh, it was a fair sized tree, there's no doubt about it. But you found it. It was good work. <laughs> I loved it. So uh, yeah, get on our Facebook page and check out. There's a little video in there called Drongo with a drone, and uh, yeah, that's uh, Shrek really, really showcasing his skills. It's a cracker. Yeah, there's more laughter than actual drone flight, <laughs> but it. you'll enjoy it. Yeah, right. Let's get into this interview. The first interview with Carly Andrews from Adreno. All right, so welcome to the show, Carly Andrews. I've got a, a resident Adreno marketing, uh, head of marketing here, and uh, she's going to chat with us today a little bit about drones and her experience with using drones for adventure photography. So Carly, just fill us in a little bit about you know who you are and you know your, your background with drones, if you like. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me on the on the show, Isaac. So I first got into drones uh, in about. January, I think I ordered my my first drone, and it was because I was going out a lot with a guy uh, on a boat, and he was getting some awesome footage of us just on jet skis and on the boats and things like that. And it was just amazing to see just a different perspective, I think, of the world. Yeah. So 
yeah, I ordered my drone. It was a big investment, I think, for me. It was about uh, about fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred dollars at the time. Wow. Um, yeah, so I got that back in January, and yeah, just started started flying straight away without really any other experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fifteen hundred dollar drone, and just having a crack. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Um, what what sort of drone was it? Uh, so I got the DJI Phantom Three Professional or Phantom oh, okay. Professional, yeah. Um, and it's it's been really good. So that was kind of the the top of the uh, you know com, uh, not commercial, like the top of the recreational use yeah, yep. you could get. So above that would be your DJI Inspires and things, yeah. which are more around the five thousand dollar range. Um, so I definitely wanted something that. Had some, you know, cool functionalities like point of interest where you could set auto uh, functions and it would just just follow, a, uh, you know, a single point and do do some cool things like that. Yeah. Uh, and also, of course, just shoot in, in really nice quality footage. Yeah, yeah. So that's got a – has that got a 12-megapixel camera on it? It's got a gimbal and all the rest of it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it comes all with the camera gear that you would use. You don't attach a GoPro and you can't attach anything else to it. Okay. Um, and being a, a GoPro fan and having used GoPros for, for many years, I was a bit – you know, I didn't didn't know about going away from that, but honestly, the camera is incredible. And yeah. Yeah, smokes the GoPros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll, I will ask you a little bit later about um, the GoPro Karma that's coming out and the and the DJI Mavic because they mm-hmm. seem to be two models that Spiros might go for. But the um, the DJI Phantoms threes and now the four is out. Um, but I've heard the three is still popular. It's still selling like quite a lot because it's sort of tried and tested. Um, there's a few versions out now. It's sort of you know they've improved it. Um, yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what sort of footage you have captured and, and what you've learned, I guess. Yeah, sure. So I have captured footage. I kind of, I mean, I started out just flying in the park, obviously, as, as you do. I uh, had to watch a lot of YouTube videos to figure out how the controls worked and all, yeah, all that yeah. kind of thing. And then it just gradually got a little bit more um, risky with it. And I think you've kind of, you've got to risk it. You've got to go out every time and expect you, you could lose your drone. It's going to break. I think you've just got to kind of take that on board and, and know it. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would take it out and, you know, started going out with me on shore dives and I'd film the guys going out shore diving and spearfishing yeah. and, and then I'd meet them out there kind of thing. Um, and then started going out and just flying it off a boat out at the Great Barrier Reef and just uh, oh, kind wow. of stepping it up more and more and, and pull it from my, my yacht in the middle of the Bass Strait at one stage with um, <laughs> at sunrise and, Nearly crashed it into water at that stage because of, of a malfunction. Um, so yeah, no, wow, just, wow. just taking it anywhere I can and really pushing it, uh, pushing its limits. Yeah, cool. All right, I've seen some of the footage. Like we talked a little bit before the show, but I did see some of the shore diving, uh, the top of the New South Wales coast, um, and and it just captures the the locations like in a completely different light, and it, and it can provide some really good. Um, other footage for what would otherwise just be a, a spearfishing video, and I, I kind of like the 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 third person view the overhead bird's eye view it was really really cool who were some of the sparrows you captured in there and what was the location uh so in that one the guys going out for a shore dive that was reese ward and taylor slattery yeah. uh yeah. and also so they were both uh, from adreno and also uh, from the marketing team in adreno marcel de paula as well okay. Uh, okay. so they were heading out in some really big waves uh there were some pretty big accidents that day actually of people <laughs> getting swept into the sea and things like that. So oh, wow. but the viz looked good. We weren't going to go out, but I actually flew the drone out, confirmed the viz was good, and then we um we headed out through the breakers. So. Wow, wow. Uh, so it was like overhead 
It does get pretty big down there, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, no, it was really, really cool, like I said. So that sort of actually made me quite interested in drones and sort of seeing what else has been done with them. And I've, since then, I've sort of had a good look around and I bought a little entry-level model myself to try and learn how to how to fly them. However, mine's more of like an FPV style. You're really hands-on. The DJI models are a bit more higher-end. You've got a lot of automated features. However, you know, you did identify a sort of malfunction. Um before the show, we also talked about some accidents you've heard about. Now, can we sort of talk about some of these experiences and, and what, what, what are your tips for guys that are going out and investing, you know, 1500 plus on a drone? Yeah, definitely. So there's, um, I mean, there's, there's about half a dozen accidents that I've heard of just recently and, and one that I've had myself uh, with, with drones. And so, so I'll, I'll talk about my own experience first. I was flying from my yacht and I had to actually to calibrate the compass of the drone, which you should do before you fly every time. Um, yeah. You have to uh, be away from large metal objects. And my, my yacht uh, that I live on is made of corten steel. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of just like held it up as high as I could away from the yacht and did the circles that you have to do and got it all calibrated and was flying. And then when I was trying to land it, it was my first time flying from the yacht. Uh, we didn't have the sails up or anything, so we were just kind of moving along at, you know, pretty slow. We weren't, we didn't even really have the, the engine going, but we were still moving a little bit. And uh, the, yeah, I was landing it at about 36%, so I thought I had a lot of um, a lot of juice left, and I thought I was being really safe. But then yep. at 33%, after a couple of goes, I was struggling. One of the guys was there, you know, getting ready to catch it, but it was just not, it was not, hovering like it should do and and auto correcting and i wasn't used to that so it was like manual flying luckily uh, i had been doing a bit of manual flying anyway so i was a bit familiar with it but it's a when you're out on the water and yeah yeah, you've got yeah. sails and oh, rigging yeah. and all kinds of things you get a little bit nervous and at 33 percent, it hasn't happened since but it just went um it just said you know some kind of error it's going to auto return to home in 10 seconds and i just went oh shit you know i really had to then concentrate and get it in and luckily with about you know four seconds to go it was like a bomb was going to go off but um but we we got it in and landed it and it was pretty scary but uh yes yeah, so that's i guess one of the things that it just at any time it can just malfunction and do do something that you've never heard of uh one of my friends he uh actually that he's he'd only flown it it was the second time flying it and he actually um uh, didn't realise that at 20% battery it would do an auto return to home and he was on the boat and it auto returned to home and hit the side of the boat and fell in the water. So that was um, a nice $1,500 for two flights. Oh, wow. Uh, another friend just, just on the weekend actually, it was you know probably his you know fifth flight or so of his Phantom uh, Pro and he was flying around his marina and it just said um error error and it just banked hard right ran into a yacht and then fell into the water Um, (laughs) another friend he went out flying and um the battery for it which uh yeah that um it was a little bit puffy so but he he still used it and it just fell out of the sky and landed in the water out around tangaluma wrecks so a lot of things that just, you know, you've got to just be be a little bit mindful of the fact that no matter where you're flying, like expect that at any time it could just fall out of the sky. And if you're above a crowd of people or your buddies or something like that, just be mindful that it, you know, it can really cause some damage to property but also people. Yeah, okay. All right, how much do they weigh? How much does your Phantom 3 weigh? 
Oh, I think it's less than two kilos. Yeah, right. about, about two kilos, yeah. But falling out of the sky, it's still like a small brick uh, with, with propellers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with propellers, yeah. yeah, they yeah. And they've caused some pretty serious damage yeah. on, you know, faces and things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so, okay, so what about legislation in um, Australia? What do you sort of... What do you know about the law with, as, in regards to drones here? Yeah, so for, um, I mean, don't quote me, it changes all the time. I know recently yeah. they've removed the requirement to have a commercial licence or to, to make a profit from flying drones that are under two kilos, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, so so pretty much anyone now can go out and be a, a hobbyist and make some revenue from flying drones, which are oh, cool. pretty much around that Phantom Pro 3 spec, anything above that Um You've got to have a commercial pilot's licence and UAV licence and things like that. Um, in terms of height, you're restricted to, I think it's 150 metres, and okay. your drone will automatically come programmed to only be able to fly to 150 metres. You can get around that programming, but it's there because that's the law. And you can okay. also not fly within, I think it's five kilometres of any airport. Um and the again, the, the phantoms are automatically program where they just won't take off if they're too close to an airport, so they recognise that. But there's an app you can get, um, maybe we'll put it in the show notes, where a pilot friend of mine showed me where you actually do need to be really mindful of just the flight paths of different planes because if you're even if you're flying it, you know, and you go and push the limits and you do it illegally and go to like 200 metres, you know, you can very easily. Um, you know, oh, yeah. cause an accident and, uh, yeah, no one wants to do that. Mm, cool. All right, cool. So we've covered sort of like, you know, your experience, some tips and some stories, some horror stories. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the law in Australia. Um, what do you want to buy next in regards to drones and what do you sort of see yourself doing with drones in the future? So I really want the DJI Maverick next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... I was tossing up between the, you mentioned the GoPro Karma. Uh, yeah. So I was tossing up between that and I talked to uh, my buddy who he really inspired me to to get a drone in the first place. And he, he from the get-go, said, look, you know, DJI have been through a lot of generations of drones now. They've got a lot of experience. GoPro, yeah. this is their first drone. I expect it to have problems. So wait six months. And I didn't want to wait. I was like, if I get yeah. it, you know, I want to get one now. Yeah. But, um, but he said, you know, just wait. Just be patient because they're probably going to have problems. And I, I don't know if you heard, but GoPro Palmer's actually, uh, they were all recalled recently. And so they're not yeah. even doing replacements. They're just... Um, they're just doing refunds, so they've made a pretty big blunder there, old GoPro. <laughs> yeah, oh, you've got to feel for them, though. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's big technology to come into, and um, and straight away they were competing against the Mavic, which is like, you know, like it's got a six-kilometre range and like a 30-something-minute battery life, like, and it's sort of built to kill from the start, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. And the GoPro are competing against these guys that have been doing it for years, so I do feel for them. Yeah. I think for Spiros that are used to GoPros, when the Karma does relaunch and they've worked out all the bugs, it probably is still going to be quite a strong option because um, if, if you're already comfortable using the GoPro, it's just going to be a further extension of that technology. So if you're filming and editing using, you know, um, GoPro footage for, from your spearfishing in water, then, you know, editing aerial footage from a GoPro is going to sort of make sense as well. So I can see some sort of relatability i'm going to try and get on the line with gopro possibly next week we're going to do a bit of a gopro pro episode so we might yeah, cover cool. some of that stuff and talk about the karma but yeah yeah 100 percent. the versatility for for spiros and people who are already familiar with gopro is going to be great and 
what I loved was the fact that you can remove that handheld gimbal and then you can yeah. get some awesome smooth footage on the boat of, you know, going ah. out when you're holding it and you're going to take all of the shake out of any land-based footage. So there's some massive upsides to GoPro. So as soon as they figure out those bugs, they're going to go wild. Yeah, cool, cool. Awesome. All right, so um, look, where can listeners maybe find some of your, your, your videos if they want to have a look? Oh, just before we get to that, uh, I think you talked about having some more, some, maybe some more tips. Uh, did you have any more tips you wanted to go over? Oh, yeah. Um, I, guess, I guess the biggest thing would be to start off your flying with just being in like a big open park uh, make sure that you're, you know, watch some of the DJI videos and they've got, they've got great how-tos. They go really, really go through it well. It's not that hard. Um, like you said, the DJIs have a lot of high-end specs that you don't have to touch the controllers and it just hovers there. So if you're in, if you're, you know, in doubt and you don't know what you're doing, just let go of the controllers and it just, it just stays there. So, um, but sounds, I, sounds way better than my drone. I let yeah. go of the controls and it goes into a tree or <laughs> nearly hits turbo on the head or something, which yeah, I quite yeah. like. I like that feature. But. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think the other thing would be when you're trying to land in difficult conditions, I think probably most of your listeners saw that video of um, someone trying to land a big $5,000 drone on the boat and then it hits the edge and goes into the water. Um, oh, I'll link that up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So she was actually, if you watch it, she was trying to fly it where if she was pulling back on the controls, it was going forwards, and if she pushed forwards, it was going backwards. So if you turn your drone around to face away from you, then the controls are like for like. So it's going to go forwards the direction that you're facing rather than trying to figure it out back to front. So I think that's a good um, a good tip for, for people as well. Yeah, yeah. We, I talk a little bit with Alan Pillman about guided versus unguided, so this is pretty cool. All right, okay, cool. I'm going to link up a few of these videos in the show notes. But where, where, can I get hold of some of your videos to link in as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll shoot some through. Um, so cool. my Instagram is just um, at Carly underscore Andrews, which is K-A-H-L-E-E. And I've also started doing a lot of um, kind of above the water drone shots for my new inflatable SUPs on at Kuna boards, which is K-U-N-A as well. All right. Yeah, I'll link both of them up in the show notes. You've got these um, inflatable um, SUPs. We've... we've I talked recently with a guy in the states who now spears from uh, from the stand up paddle boards, and he really? loves it. He, he reckons yeah. they are reckons they're way better than kayaks. Um, yeah, yeah. You, are, are your your um, inflatables going okay? You happy yeah, with they're the test? awesome. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. All right, and uh, I just wanted to say thanks for the Noobs Bureau podcast as well for um, Adreno's support uh, since we've you know since we've started and. Uh, so, yeah, it's awesome, and uh, I hope the listeners are taking advantage of the uh, the code word Noob Spiro to save 20 bucks at uh, checkout at, at adrenoandspearfishing.com.au. And uh, was there any parting piece of guidance for our audience for drones, Carly? Uh, drones. Look, I think just, just go and get one. Honestly, it's not as hard as, as you know, some people, you know, might think it is. It's it's actually quite easy. You know, if I can do it, I think, uh, I think pretty much anyone can. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks, guys. Guys, if you're new to spearfishing, I highly recommend listening to our episode Freediving for Spearfishing with Pete Ryder. Pete uh, is an entrepreneur and an excellent freedive instructor, and he has come up with two great courses the 10 meter freedive and the 5 minute freediver. I've used the 5 minute freediver to increase my bottom time, found it incredibly useful for my trip to the Coral Sea, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. 
His other course, the 10-metre freediver, is a great resource for those just starting out that literally want to get to 10 metres. And this course will help you learn proper breathing technique and some of the safety aspects associated with freediving. Use the code NOOBSPIRO to save 20% on all of Pete's courses. He's put together this deal just for listeners of the show. That's at howtofreedive.com. Use the code NOOBSPIRO. So guys, I hope you enjoyed getting some background information on how drones can be effectively used for spearfishing. The next interview is with Alan Perlman from UAVcoach.com. He's the founder over there. And head over to UAVcoach.com to sort of get some really good guides on getting started. So without further ado, here's Alan and me chatting all things drones. So g'day, welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast, Alan. It's uh, awesome to have a, a drone expert with us today. So um, yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Isaac. It's great to be here. Good to connect with you and your audience. Yeah, cool. Um, so look, tell us a bit about yourself, how you got started with drones and where you're based. Sure. So right now I'm based in New York City. Um, and I got started in drones because I crashed a drone. <laughs> so <laughs> back in 2014... I bought a, a DJI Phantom 1. Uh, the Phantom 4 just came out a few months ago. So you can imagine that the Phantom 1 was not nearly as sophisticated as the yeah. models are today. The instructions were very difficult to decipher, even for somebody who's been operating uh, you know, model, model aircrafts and, and remote control boats and, and cars my whole life. Had a very difficult time figuring out how to turn it on and calibrate it. Um, finally get outside and I knew nothing about the rules or had no consideration really of safety at the time. And I used to be ashamed to tell this story, but I think it's important because number yeah. one, it helped get me into the industry. And number two, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully somebody listening to this will understand that flying lawnmowers are a little dangerous. So <laughs> I finally figured out how to turn this aircraft on. I bring it up 10 to 15 feet in the air and I proceed to crash it into a parked car. Yeah. Um, and I almost took out somebody's head in the process. I mean, it was Ooh. awful. It really was. And I went home that night, uh, you know, shaking. Um, I had a hard time sleeping. I started researching the drone industry and there was a lot of information back in 2014 about drones and sort of the, the industry potential. But a lot of it was buried in, in website forums and other communities that have been around for a very long time. It was, a, it was really hard to find information about getting certified and, you know, do yep. I need insurance and what systems should I buy and why? It was, it was more kind of on the DIY end of the yep. spectrum back then. So, you know, I, I know you and I were chatting very briefly about Noob Spiro and how you, you got started. I had sort mm. of a similar start where I, I said, look, I'm going to start this website uh, my short-sighted goal was to get enough website traffic to be able to reach out to drone manufacturers and say, hey, I've got some fans. You want to send me some free drones to fly and review? <laughs> um, and that's sort of how I got started. And, and what ended up happening was I started hopping on the phone with my community, and I started getting one-on-one -on -one emails from people about what they were looking to do in the industry. And while this was happening, the industry was changing quite a bit, not just in the U.S., but, but all over the world. Mm. Um, I mean, in, in Australia, where you are, the, the regulations have changed pretty significantly in the last couple of years. So it's, um, it's been kind of an ongoing journey for me. Um, I don't operate drones commercially in the sense that I'm not going out there every single day and flying on behalf of clients. Most of my time is spent behind the computer kind of nurturing our community. Um, but today we've gone from 
you know, kind of a nights and weekends uh, blog to a company that I'm running full time where we help folks get into the commercial drone industry. Um, or if a hobbyist just learning how to fly, um, we are big fans and proponents of safety and yep. professionalism. And that's mm. really where we're trying to come from because, again, these things are flying lawnmowers. Even if you're operating a fixed-wing aircraft, um, if you don't know what you're doing, you can get in trouble pretty quickly. So, uh, you know, for the first time in the history of aviation worldwide, we've got tens mm. of thousands of people yeah, looking yeah. to become pilots. And these are people with no background in the, in the airspace system, no background mm. in communicating with the with the proper authorities in the right way, and uh, all the paperwork and checklists required. You know, no no sense of like a pilot mindset and what it means to operate an aircraft. So we're doing our best to educate folks along those lines. Yeah, awesome. I, I've, I you came on my radar similar. Like I I found your website. I was looking for a guide about how to get started flying drones, and you've got this huge guide in there about how like all the basic controls from buying it to sort of how to go about it. I, I love that. I loved how well put together the site was. So I was thinking straight away to myself, I want to get this guy on the show to share some of his expertise, so I can hear from your passion that you're the right man for the job. So flying lawnmowers is great. I love that. Uh, I, I I bought a mini drone based on pretty much advice from your post and started learning how to fly in a paddock and uh, my friend uh, my co-host who's normally here turbo he's not with us this morning he recorded me crashing it into a tree <laughs> luckily there was no one around and it's only a mini but you know it's it's very much like everyone learns by crashing i'm glad yeah. i didn't do it with a big expensive dji and um, you know so what's um just to jump in what's really mm. fascinating about flying a cheaper drone versus something like a dji phantom or inspire is it's really apples and oranges and it's hard to compare mm. the two systems the the cheaper drones, and I would say cheaper is, you know, less than a couple of hundred dollars. Um, yep. You know, something that you can get on Amazon, as an example, for, uh, you know, just very simple quadcopter. What, what are you flying, by the way? Yeah, it's a, it's a little, it's a Chairwing S5. It's under $100 delivered, landed on my doorstep. Um, quadcopter, though, and it's it's got internal, six internal gyroscope. Yep. I don't know, but I, I think you're right. It doesn't seem to compare or stack up next to one of these higher-end models. So. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people ask who are sort of aspiring commercial drone pilots, you know, what system should I buy to fly? I've never flown before. Do you recommend a cheaper system? And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. So mm. I do. Uh, Okay. I do because, number one, when you do crash, because you will, um, it's a lot <laughs> cheaper and it doesn't break the bank. Um, and it's a good way to kind of cut out all of the fancy, smart, intelligent flight modes and all these you know, GPS controls. And you, know, you don't even have to register your aircraft if you're flying in the U.S. and it's less than half a pound. So it's a little bit easier to get started and to build up that kind of incremental – flight confidence but at the same yeah. time they're very difficult to fly like when you don't have yeah. the proper sensors and you're having to literally work you know both sides of your brain at the same time to um you know keep the altitude steady and learn <laughs> to yaw and move forward and backward and left and right at the same time it can be a little tricky whereas if you jump into the deep end and you're operating a phantom four or an inspire or a unique typhoon h um you know, you press one button and it hovers up to 10 feet and it just sits there and looks at you nice and pretty. But at the same time, when you're flying oh, a more wow. advanced system, it's less about flight proficiency and more about 
being a monitor of the automated systems at play. I mean, you're, you're more of a systems engineer at that point, and you really uh, need to understand your, your aircraft, the ABCs of your aircraft, rather than being so focused on the stick and rudder controls. So it's, mm. it's different. I like, like recommending the cheaper models because it's a good way to build up that flight confidence and just teach you how a multi-rotor system works. But if you're looking mm. to operate commercially, I also respect the fact if you want to dive into the deep end and go ahead and buy that model – but I would suggest to be very deliberate and very slow about your training those first few hours. Yeah, okay. Much like you do when you learn a, in a real aircraft, I guess, uh, look at, or, or one where you're sitting in it. Uh, okay, cool. That's awesome. So um, with, with some of the cheaper systems, there's guided and unguided. I sort of tried both with my drone. Obviously, when you're dealing with one of these fully automated ones, you're, you're dealing with them guided, which means like you're looking through the camera of the, of the drone itself. Um, do you recommend people – do you like people to learn unguided as well? Is that a good idea or is it just – do you think it's sort of – depends on what you want to do? Is that what you're sort of saying? Yeah. I mean I think number one, it depends on what you want to do. Number two, you have to mind your existing regulations. So there's, there's a bit of controversy now here in the US where if you are the remote pilot in command, you have to be able to maintain visual line of sight at all times. Ooh. So technically, you're not allowed to look just at the screen. You're not allowed to put goggles on and look just at the screen if you're operating commercially. At the same time, there's a ton of FPV racers that do this all the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm out there in the field. I see people doing this a lot. So I think that a good place to start is to not focus on the screen and to look, you know, up in the sky at the aircraft. It's going to force you to understand situational awareness. You know, mm. you'll be You'll be looking at your aircraft, and then you're going to see a building uh, to your left. You're going to see a flock of birds to your right. Um, and just kind of understanding how it moves in the airspace is really helpful. Um, okay. but, but flying first-person view, I mean, putting on the goggles or looking at your screen, it's an unbelievable experience. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely recommend playing around with it. It's very, very fun. And FPV cool. racing is like a whole separate uh, whole separate side of the industry, but it's it's fun. I mean, if you're looking to get into this and just for recreational purposes, check out check out FPV racing. It's 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 right. wild. Okay, well we're starting to talk about it now. I guess we're we're sort of getting into the categories of drones, and we've talked about FPV, and we we did talk about some of these DJI models, which are the more the photography or videography type things. Can you can you talk us through some of the main categories? Sure. So I mean, just from from our community, anecdotally. Um, you know, it's almost half and half. Half of our community members are just hobbyists, um, you know, model aircraft enthusiasts wanting to go to a safe place, either their backyard or kind of a sanctioned field or a public park and just fly. Um, and I can certainly relate to that, right? I've always wanted to fly an airplane and drones are kind of the next big, next best thing, at least for me in my life and where I'm at right now. Um, yep. And then there are folks who want to operate drones for a living, either for a company or they want to build their own sort of aerial service-based company and, and shoot mm. things like real estate, um, like commercial and residential real estate, golf courses, resort properties, uh, you know, dude ranches. Uh, there, are, there are folks who want to work with construction and mining and architecture and engineering firms um, doing mapping and modeling work and land survey work, um, yeah, okay. close-range inspection, like bridge inspections. Um, thermal stack inspections, roof inspections. You know, you can strap a thermal wow. camera to a drone and do some pretty cool, uh, you know, thermal work. Um, yeah, right. 
which for you know utility inspections can be really helpful you know to know if a solar panel is busted or to know where heat might be might be leaking or cool might be leaking from a building uh, there's a lot of search and rescue opportunities as well we get a lot of police and fire departments looking to integrate unmanned aerial systems into their organization whether for search and rescue purposes um, or, or lots of other purposes if, if you're a fire department yeah, right. you to do a lot of cool stuff. So those are kind of the two big camps, like recreational versus commercial, and that's where we okay. see a lot of the regulations built around. You have kind of your model aircraft regulations, and then you have your commercial regulations. And then I mentioned FPV racing. Uh, again, FPV stands for first-person view. So imagine flying a drone where you're looking into <laughs> goggles, and you can see yeah. exactly what the drone sees in, in basically real time. I mean the latency is, is – is almost perfect, um, wow. and you know you're you're zipping around pretty quickly, uh, you know, flying through the forest or or through sort of a an FPV course that's been set up for that race. And this is a facet of the industry that's growing really quickly, um, yeah. and it's something that I've wanted to do personally. I, I haven't flown in an FPV race yet, but I have done a lot of simulator training, and and there's a lot of folks in our community who who do FPV racing. But I think for oh. For, uh, we're seeing kind of a younger demographic there. Um, yeah. You know, instead of instead of playing video games, people are are going outside and, and flying their drones, which is pretty cool. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of crossover. I there's no way I could compete with a 12 or 13 year old when it comes to FPV racing. So I'm like, yeah, I'm now right. the old fuddy duddy. I used to be really good at video games, but no longer. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same man. Like you have a couple of years away from playing Black Ops or, or right. Call of Duty, and <laughs> and and they're like you're getting your ass whooped by a nine year old. I can completely relate to that. So yep. I guess yeah, FPV's the same so that's interesting okay so for for um for the guys that are interested more in photography um particularly like with with our context with spearfishing right so they want to film these sort of these cinematic backdrops to their films and things like that what would be sort of your recommended um steps for someone starting out with that in mind sure so you know at the end of the day uh, a drone there's nothing too fancy about it right it's just a flying camera system so a lot of what somebody might need to learn, aside from you know flight proficiency and understanding the system and how to operate it, is just basic camera work. Um, I've been yeah, doing a yeah. lot of practice on on cinematography, and I'm I'm a pretty good pilot. I feel really confident operating my system, but getting that really slow, beautiful, buttery footage—it's actually really hard to do. Um, you know, yeah. flying really, really slow and like panning the camera as you're moving toward a subject and getting that kind of that beautiful, uh, you know, perspective, it, it takes a lot of practice, mm. um, with photography, mm. you know, knowing your coloring, knowing your camera settings, the, the rule of thirds, kind of basic photography, best practices. Um, I think a lot of people sort of forget, uh, forget that. And they think yeah. the drone is going to do all the work for them. Um, so that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, as far as systems go, there's a lot of options. Um, I would yep. recommend a system with a gimbal. So you might, you might see the term gimbal. Maybe you never Maybe somebody who's watching this has never heard of that before. It's it's what sits yeah. between the drone and the camera, and it stabilizes the camera. So you know if you're flying, you know your Hubson or your UDI, you know kind of a cheaper camera that's 720 pixels, you know costs 40 or 50 dollars. Um, that's fine. You might get some good good photos out of it, but you can't get smooth buttery footage because there's just too much vibration happening. Yeah. So the gimbal reduces yep, that yep. vibration. And I'm oversimplifying the process here, but the gimbal, among other things, reduces the vibration and gets you that high quality footage. Um, most of the introductory professional models or prosumer models 
um, you know, they're going to run anywhere from 500 to maybe 12 or 1300 dollars. And that's going to include, you know, a 4K camera, so you can shoot 4K footage at 30 frames per second, or if you drop it down to 1080 frames per second or 1080 pixels, you can get 60 frames per second. Yeah. Uh, most of the models yeah, kind right. of have those camera specs. So you can shoot 12 megapixel stills. Yeah, you can you can get a pretty pretty high end, you know, high end system, you know, without breaking the bank. I mean, I think you don't need to buy a $3,000 drone, a $5,000 drone. I know a lot of guys who who buy, you know, used used phantoms you know for two or three hundred dollars you know it's been flown half a dozen times you get a brand new battery and you know you do your pre-flight uh, checks and you look and make sure that there's no other maintenance that needs to happen but uh, that can be a good way to get started too you know if you're if you're budget conscious and just want kind of a smart system to play around with and to fly you know you don't need to buy the latest mm-hmm. and greatest dji phantom 4 professional or the inspire 2 yeah. uh, which is going to start shipping in january you can you could totally get a model that came out last year or the year before you, you might not get the the obstacle avoidance and some of the other smart features but you might not necessarily need it depending on what you're going to want to be doing hmm a lot of Spiros, or this is what we call uh, spear fishermen. They 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 they're looking at this uh, the new GoPro Karma or the uh, the DJI Mavic. They seem to be really portable and have enough sort of to get the job done for what um, they think they want. And uh, both of these are phenomenal, like in terms of drone technology. They've come a long way. Um, do you like those two models in particular? I do, but. I have to be careful because I haven't flown either system yet. So I haven't had hands-on experience okay. yet with either. Uh, both DJI and GoPro have experienced delays in shipping this initial batch to customers. Um, you know, we're recording this interview at the end of 2016. Um, hopefully, you know, that'll get sorted out. The, the industry moves very quickly, so hopefully that'll get sorted out in the next few weeks or months. Um, I haven't yeah, okay. talked to anybody who's flown Karma. I, we do have a handful of community members who are flying their Mavics right now, and they love it. Um, it's small. Both both okay. systems are small and super portable. And I think for you know for Spiros, right, you're getting on and off the boat. You're doing a lot of travel. Having a small portable system that you can put into a backpack um, is probably a pro, right, when you're evaluating systems rather than having a really big clunky kind of hexacopter system. Um, mm. And as far as kind of the latest and greatest sensors. And, and smart features, um, both systems have a lot of that going on. So um, it's just, it's really early. It's, it's hard. A lot of people are knocking GoPro yeah. <laughs> because this is GoPro's first drone. So it, mm. whereas DJI has been in the drone game for, for several years now. So DJI has more apps, like third-party apps. Um, and there's the ecosystem of support is a little bit bigger. So that's something to consider as well. I mean, GoPro is a, is a tried and true company. They've been around for a while. Uh, but DJI sort of owns the drone market. They've got like 60 to 70% of the commercial drone market right now. Okay, that's cool, man. Um, thanks for giving us a bit of an overview about some of the sort of the models we can expect to use. Look, let's get into legislation. I mean, you talked at the start about, you know, one of those sort of really bad accidents you had had. And obviously that's the reason we're starting to see more and more legislation. I don't know if you're too familiar with legislation in Australia. I'm not Super worried about that, um, even if we get the U.S. perspective, because a large amount of our listeners come from there anyway. Um, but sort of what, why do, obviously, why do we have legislation and sort of what, what should guys think about when they, when they start buying their first drone and things like that? Sure, yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, the reason drone legislation exists is because from the sort of civil aviation bodies that govern, uh, you know, the airspace and aircraft, drones are just another aircraft. 
um, you know, that the technology okay. has come a long way just in the last few years. Drone technology and being able to operate an unmanned aircraft, uh, you know, traditionally has been only available to the military. But now you can go on Amazon and, like you said, it can show up to your door 24 hours, 48 hours later. So, you know, in the in the U.S., it's the Federal Aviation Administration. In Canada, it's Transport Canada. Uh, I believe in Australia, it's CASA, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority. Am I getting that right? Uh, I'm not too sure, to be honest. Um, I have not done a lot of research into this particular area. I was, I'm completely at your I might be getting my aviation body wrong, but the idea is that That's aviation fine. is regulated uh, on a country-by-country basis, which um, – which makes a lot of sense because every country has their own traffic patterns and um, and sort of means of, of regulating flight. Uh, but it can become challenging as well. I mean, you know, I live in the U.S. Let's say I'm a certified drone pilot here, which I am. If I traveled to Australia, I couldn't necessarily do that for work unless I was doing it under the table. And if CASA found out, you know, I might be banned from Australia forever, which I would not want that to happen. Um, uh, so it's, it's fascinating. Okay. Like – uh, uh, in order to get certified here in the U.S., at the moment, you need to pass a multiple choice test, and that's pretty much it. Oh, wow. uh, that could oh, be a wow. good thing or that could be a bad thing depending on how you look at it. There's no flight proficiency required, which I thought was very interesting okay. when these new rules came out uh, over the summer just a few months ago. Now, in, in Australia and I believe also in Canada and the U.K., you have to go through a special – um, sort of, uh, you know, government-sanctioned school, and and go through a program, and you have to graduate that program. And part of graduating is is demonstrating real flight proficiency, building an operations manual. So, the the process to get certified is different in every country, um, for better or for yeah. worse. <laughs> um, and yeah. I know that the regulations are in flux. I mean, here here in the U.S. There's this tension between federal regulations yep. and state and city yep. and you know even more local ordinances or rules. So as an example, I'm in New York City. At the federal level, there are certain parts of Manhattan where I can fly, mm. but New York City mm. Parks Department has also on top of that said you're not allowed to fly in New York City parks. Um, it's not written oh, anywhere. Wow. I haven't seen it. It written anywhere, but I've talked to a lot of police officers in New York City Parks Department folks who are who are saying that. So you know, I don't want to get arrested for reckless endangerment. Um, so I have to abide by those local rules. And I think we're going to see a lot of this over the next several months and probably the next couple of years as the regulations mature. Not just uh, you know here in the U.S., but really all ah. over the world. I think we're seeing a lot of regulations in flux because this technology is getting smarter and smarter, and the regulatory bodies are really trying to figure mm. out. Where do these things fit? You know, it's obviously not a 747 aircraft, but at the same time, it is a flying lawnmower and you have a pilot and you have an aircraft and how do do you register that aircraft? How is it tracked? Um, What kind of training does the pilot need to go through? Mm. What kind of recertification work does the pilot need to go through? Um, You know, what happens if the pilot wants to fly over a house and do basic aerial photography and videography versus doing a railroad inspection? where they're flying a fixed-wing system miles mm. and miles away. So, and, and how do you regulate use case yeah, A okay. versus use case B? So we're going to see a lot of developments, I think. Um, so you know, I know I'm kind mm. of rambling a bit. I think the long and short of it, 
when it comes to regulations is to just really do your research and understand, number one, what country are you living in and what are those regulations if you're operating (laughs) recreational versus commercial? And then beyond that, are there any local considerations? Um, Like as an example, Mm. um, in the U.S. and also in Canada, there's there's uncontrolled airspace and then there's controlled airspace. And the definitions are a little different depending on what country you're in. Um, But I could be a certified remote pilot. But I still need to apply for airspace authorization if I want to fly in class delta controlled airspace. And that's a whole separate process. I have to fill out a form. I have to wait on the FAA to get back to me. Um, in, in Canada, it's the same thing. If, if you want to fly in un, unmanned airspace, I believe what it's called, it, you know, you're fine. You, know, you just have to abide by mm. the existing bullet points. But as soon as you get near an airport and you sort of cross over into that manned or controlled airspace, there's a whole separate set of documents you need to fill out and separate rules you need to abide by. So just you yeah. know, be deliberate. Ask questions. Generally speaking, people are very, very helpful in this community, um, and everyone's really interested in safety. So you know, cross your T's and dot your I's, and, and you'll be fine. Yeah, I see a lot of the guys. Like, there's a there's a f- couple of good active Facebook groups here in Queensland, and um, I think it's called FPV Queensland. And they 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 discuss and they're very hard on policing their own community because they want to make sure that drones are sustainable into the future. And I think it's a, it's a good responsible thing to do is to communicate that to the up and comers. Look. Um, just just to take us back to sort of nuts and bolts stuff again, um, if one of my community buys a drone, they're all keen on filming their next spearfishing trip. Um, they've, they've bought their drone. They've bought the latest Mavic, right? They're, they're unboxing it. Wh- what do you think their next steps are? Would you try and find another person who's like a couple of steps ahead of you or would you go down and join a flight club? or What what would be your, sort of re- your, your logical sort of steps? Yeah, I love that question. That? Everybody learns a little bit differently. So I learned trial and error flying a $40 Hubson X4 in my apartment. <laughs> you should see the walls and the ceilings that are all nicked up. Oh, I mean, yeah. I went through dozens and do- dozens of <laughs> propellers, probably not the most efficient way to learn. It wasn't until I created kind of my yeah. own sort of deliberate self-study program where I was trying to fly specific patterns and be a little bit more focused on my training flights where I really started to see my skills progress. Mm. Um, there are a number of uh, okay. ways to learn how to fly and, and to learn your system. Um, you can either do trial and error and, and read your user manual you know, nine times and make sure you have everything memorized and just fly in the safety of your own backyard or a public yeah. park and just run through every single aspect of your system. Um, and people can feel entirely comfortable doing that. There are paid training courses. So there's a lot of companies that offer in-person training okay. workshops where the focus is flight proficiency. Um, you know, the industry is still kind of getting off the okay. ground, so there aren't too many companies that are doing this kind of at a nationwide level yet. Um, but, if, you know, in, in Australia, there's only a, maybe a dozen or so companies that are kind of sanctioned um, mm. by the aviation authority to be able to conduct this training. So you're definitely going to want to sync up with one of these one of these schools. So that's a great place to, to start researching is to figure okay. out the list of schools, um, which I believe are on CASA's website. Yep. And I hope I, I'm getting that acronym right. I think it's CASA, C-A-S-A. Um, but in the U.S., the FAA doesn't have any kind okay. of sanctioned um, you know, drone schools yet. The, there, there are schools like this in the U.K., um, okay. in, in Canada. Um, in the U.S., it's just a bunch of private companies doing in-person training. So that's another way to learn. Um, you mentioned uh, mm. kind of finding you know, a model aircraft club or a field. That is such a great way 
to to practice and to you know bump elbows with other people who might be in the same exact situation you are. I mean, I'm a huge fan of regardless of what your hobby is or your business intentions of just shaking hands and, and meeting other people who are doing the exact same thing. I mean, I was yeah. I was running a marketing agency for a couple of years and I didn't really start to feel comfortable mm. about my business until I could meet other people who had the same exact problems I was having, right? Yeah. And it's the same with drones. I mean, people want yeah, to know, yeah. oh, wait, I've got, I, I read an article about my LiPo battery and I need to store it properly or it could explode. Oh, no, like maybe I should talk to other people who are yeah. sort of thinking through this, this same thing. Um, and other people who have your system yeah. as well. You know, flying the Mavic is a lot different than flying the unique Typhoon H, which is a lot different than flying another one of DJI's systems. Okay. Uh, the principles are there, but the actual okay. uh, you know, ABCs of operating the system can be very different. So you know, like in the US, we have the, the AMA, mm-hmm. uh, which is an organization that's been around for decades, and they've got model aircraft fields and clubs all over the US. So that's a great way to, to meet other folks. Um, Facebook groups, like you mentioned, you mentioned okay. there's one in Queensland. I'm a member of a, of a Facebook group here in New York. Uh, a group of guys get together pretty regularly on Saturday and Sunday mornings and fly. Um, I'm moving to Tennessee in a few months, and there's a pretty okay. big you know, Facebook community, and there's an AMA community, and there's a couple of hobby shops that have their own kind of groups. So yeah, I definitely recommend networking with folks. Cool. That's a really good way to build that confidence and to meet others who are doing the same thing you are. Just looking at your example there, I mean, you're moving and you've already sort of done your due diligence about what you want to do when you get down there and you've already sort of sussed out all the groups. And I mean, this is the beauty of living in an online world. It's quite easy to do your research now. And uh, yeah, I mean, getting out of that competitive mindset and, you know, going to meet people and network is brilliant in any field you're in. Spearfishing is the same. Clubs have a lot of power and uh, and it's something we recommend to, to guys starting out all the time. Okay. Um, Alan, this has been a really, really cracker interview. I've enjoyed it. Um, I've been on your website several times. Like I said, you've got some free guides up there in one of the tabs up the top. Um, There's 17 videography tips. Uh, I saw an article there. I didn't get a chance to go through it, but could you maybe just give us a couple of them before we we head on out? Sure. So we have already talked about some of them. Um, You know, knowing your regulations uh, is is certainly one of them. Knowing your aircraft, you know, not getting... Uh, not having shiny object syndrome and, you know, worrying about getting the perfect aircraft, you know, sometimes getting getting a model that's older or a model that's been around for a long time can be a really good way to save some money yep. and to just get in the air as soon as possible. I got an email from one of our community members who said, you know, should I just wait on the Phantom 5 to come out? And the Phantom 4 had just launched. <laughs> And I wrote a really nice response saying, look, if you wait for the Phantom 5 to come out, the Phantom 6 is going to come out a few months later. I mean, it's like yeah. it's like Apple, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. the next model. I mean, the, the industry is moving very, very fast. Yeah. So, um, you know, you don't need the latest and greatest camera to take super high quality images or video footage. As far as actual sort of cinematography um, uh, best practices, you know, one, one uh, piece of advice that I really like is flying through the shot. So let's say, let's say you're okay. doing, um, you've got a lighthouse, and you want to do a really beautiful okay. kind of hero shot, right? Kind of Lord of the Rings style. You're flying yeah. around it. Um, you wanna, you wanna set up the shot to where you're flying and recording for maybe five or ten seconds before you even get up to that point, and you continue recording and flying smoothly five to ten seconds after the shot. Um, so it can be really helpful for editing. You might think that you've got this beautiful shot, 
But when you go to your computer afterwards, <laughs> maybe it starts a little too soon and it ends a little too soon. So you want to leave some room at the beginning yep. and end of the shot for, for editing purposes. Um, understanding sunlight is, is really That's, big as well. I mean, these are just kind of general photography and videography best practices. But, you know, shooting in the middle of the day when the sun is beaming straight down um, and there's not much contrast and there's not many shadows to work with, you're not going to get as um, awe-inspiring of a shot as shooting early morning or late afternoon. Um, you know, another tip mm. is understanding – and this can be frustrating for a lot of people, understanding that if you plan to take high-quality photos and videos either for yourself or on behalf of a client, only a very small percentage of what you're going to be doing is flying. You know, a big, a big part of being a remote pilot is doing your airspace research, setting up the shot, traveling there, yeah. you know, testing your equipment, running through your pre-flight checklist, you know, doing your 30-second hover and making sure that there's nothing wonky happening – and then, you know, the battery life on these guys right now is 15, 20, 25 minutes. So even if you bring extra batteries out there, yeah. you're not going to be doing that much flying. And a lot of the time is going to be in front of your computer, you know, opening up Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere or Lightroom <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is that you're using to edit videos or photos and telling, telling a story. Yeah. And it's really hard to teach that kind of storytelling and that creativity. I think you have to dive in and you have to start mm. creating work as soon as possible. Um, and that, that's what we encourage. And we've got a free community forum. And one of the most popular parts of our forum is this area called photo and video submissions. And we encourage everybody just to upload your videos and photos. And then for our community to comment on things like coloring and, you know, is the horizon level when you're shooting? Did you get the right frame rate or should you may have considered another camera setting? Um, you know, it's, it's uh, easy okay. to, get, to get overwhelmed by, by camera settings and knowing sort of the technical aspects of, of high-end photo and video work. But I think the best way to practice is to practice and to really just get out there, press the record button, yeah, cool. and, and start cobbling some clips together. Awesome. All right, so guys can find you at uh, uavcoach.com. You've mentioned your forum, which I had a brief look through this morning. I'm going to get into that a bit more as I sort of go deeper down the, the drone spiral, if you like. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's some awesome free guides on there. Where else can uh, people find you if they want to reach out and get in touch with you, Alan? Sure. So like you said, the website is UAV Coach. Uh, we've got a pretty active Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash UAV Coach. Uh, the forum is community.uavcoach.com. We have some paid, paid okay. training courses um, at learn.uavcoach.com. Um, if you live in the U.S. and you're looking to get certified, you can check out our school called DronePilotGroundSchool.com. Uh, you can also reach me directly okay. via email at Alan, A-L-A-N, at UAVCoach.com. I love to geek out about drones and, and help folks where I can. I recognize that there are new use cases for these systems every single week. Uh, the technology is changing very fast. The regulations awesome. are changing very fast. Um, if I don't know the answer to your question, hopefully – I can help at least put you on the right path. Um, you know, before you reached out to me, Isaac, you know, spear fishing and drones, I had no idea. But then I spent some time on your website and it makes complete <laughs> sense. Like, why not marry the two, the two passions yeah. together? So it's, it's a really, it's a really exciting time to be involved in this industry. Um, you know, if you're a hobbyist or if you're a commercial operator, um, but yeah, my three favorite words are safety, safety, safety. So, so don't forget that. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, like you said, flying lawnmower sort of illustrates that perfectly. So no, thanks for joining me this morning, um, Alan. I know it's afternoon over there, so have a good rest of your day. And I'll link up everything we've discussed in the show notes. And uh, so guys can find that over at, um, I think we're going to call this episode 101 Drones over at noobspiro.com. But uh, awesome chatting with you today, Alan. Yeah, you as well, Isaac. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's interview 101 Drones and got some actionable information for your own drone journey. Now, this show, again, is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. You can, once again, go over there and use the code NoobSpearer at checkout to save yourself $20 on all purchases over $200. Uh, If you are brand new to spearfishing, check out Getting Started Spearfishing Guide NoobSpearer. Just punch it into Google. We'll come up. And also, as mentioned at the start of the show, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, available on Amazon. Absolutely. Check that out. If you, Even if you aren't new to the sport, we have collected some of the best tips from the world's best Spearos. They're all in there. It's a great read, and there's not too much waffle. It's just tips that you can apply in your everyday spearfishing. So get into it. It's excellent. excellent. Check out next week's episode as well, 101 GoPro. Awesome. Catch you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.